1: Welcome back to America's Heroes Group. This time with our round and our partner, Lieutenant Colonel Jennifer Ruth Green, battle-proven leadership. Today is Saturday, August 26, 2023. August is National Wellness Month. Our host is Cliff Kelly. I'm Sean Clemen, the co-host, Army National Guard veteran, our executive producer is Glenda Smith, our digital media producer, Ivan Ortega of Scouts Honor Productions. And of course, once again, we have Jennifer Ruth Green, lieutenant colonel in the Indiana Air Force, Indiana Air National Guard, a graduate of the U.S. United States Air Force Academy, combat veteran of Iraqi Freedom, and founder, CEO of Battle Proven Leadership, and one of less than 150 professional African-American female pilots in the United States today. How are you doing?
0: I'm doing so well. Thank you so much for having me. It's an honor to be here again. I appreciate what you guys do for Vets. So impactful. Got the chance to hear the last show and just really grateful for the work that you're doing. Thank you.
1: I'm always grateful to have you on this show and your career and esteemed presence that we have with us today. That is wonderful, all the great (laughs) stuff you've done in your military career. And so you're gonna talk to us about leadership and also the cultural and strategic leadership overview as as we called it. Um, Tell us what is important uh, uh, kind of following up on the things we talked about last time about establishing great communication, making sure you uh, people understand exactly what you mean when you're talking to them.
0: Well, I first of all, let me talk about why I love leadership, because it helps us to hone in on being better. Not necessarily being better than somebody else as far as comparatively the person sitting next to us, but it allows us as a community to be better. And so when I think about the things that we're doing here in America's Heroes Group and the things that you are doing and show producers, Glenda Smith specifically, you guys are paving the way so that people accurately understand how they can have better, do better, and be better. And so when you provide resources and say, take advantage of this, when you provide um, discussions so that people can think about multiple sides of an issue. I mean, I'm just so grateful for the fact that you would have people on here. And so when we talk about leadership, this is something that anybody can do and be a game changer, like Quiz Kelly says, everywhere you go, regardless of, of what your task is at hand, you can be a leader regardless of what your position is. And so. I I think it's incredibly important, you know, when we talk about communication, I think it's important to communicate the fact that there are ways to be better, and these are some specific ways, but just by listening in, tuning in to what America's Heroes Group is doing, you are already striving to be better and are gaining tools all over the place.
1: Hmm. So what are the do's and don'ts of, of good communication?
0: I think it's incredibly important as a communicator to make sure that you say what you mean and mean what you say. And you have to make sure that there's not a say-do gap. So a say-do gap is the difference between, obviously, what you say and what you do. And that can be hypocrisy in your activities. Um, or, like for example, if you say that I care about you, but you don't show that you care about somebody because you're not going to be concerned about when somebody in their family passes away or giving them a pay raise or something like that. At the end of the day, there's a point where what you say and what you do have to match. But then secondly, I would say as far as communication goes, when we're thinking about the most important things, you have to make sure that you communicate, communicate, communicate. Mm. And if you think somebody heard what you said, say it again. And you have to make sure that your intent is known and not just your words. And if you can find different ways to say things, it's going to be incredibly important for you to do that as well. But uh, there are several ways to to talk about how your words match your actions. But overall, communication is so incredibly important, and if we can start with that, um, I think that's going to be important for people to know.
1: Wow, there was some there's a quote that you had written down, and I thought it was pretty um, interesting. It's, uh, you wrote, "Excuse me, it's my family calling, and every time they call, I try to answer." As a response to someone yeah. in a meeting and things like that. I think that's very, very powerful. Oftentimes, uh, we don't get that. Some people don't have that um, ability to, you know, take a family call. May not even be allowed to have their, their phone with them in certain cases. If you're on a on a flight deck of, a air, of an of aircraft carrier, or something along those lines. I mean, <laughs> but I mean, but the thing Fair. is, is that that's that's such a for a leader or a person uh, who is uh, being modeled after. People looking to that person as an example. I think that's a very, very uh, powerful statement.
0: I found it to be incredibly helpful. I was sitting in a meeting one time with somebody, and we were in the middle of it, and his phone rang. And it wasn't necessarily his phone that was loud, but it was on his watch that it alerted him. And he said, excuse me, it's my family calling, and every time they call, I try to answer. And it got me thinking as he was walking away, it was, wow, he really values his family. It doesn't matter who he's with or what he's talking about. Not that I was incredibly important. It was just, you know, we were just calling. That was pretty important. But, yes, that call was pretty important for him. And so, at the end of the day, uh, what it said to me was, when my family calls, he would understand me taking the same call. Mm. And so, he conveys the fact that family is important as a colleague. And I'm sure the people that worked alongside him as well, he would talk about how family's important. But there, he had the actual say-do match, so he didn't have a say-do gap. And the say-do match was very clear. And so when I say I value your family and I value my family, then I have to find ways to make sure those matches are there. And that was one clear way for us.
1: Hmm. I think that's, that's powerful. I didn't even see it from that perspective because it, – and it gives you a kind of a safe space in a way because now you feel if a person is valuing the same things you value, which you talked about previously, if it shows that your values are now aligned because if they care about their family and they're willing to put their family first, it gives you the, the comfort, the, the feel that you can do the same thing. Now, that leads us oh, to this. But that leads us to this, though. So what you, you mentioned also that what you do in moderation as a leader, people who follow you will do in excess.
0: Yes. And if you've ever seen, you know, this principle is so played out uh, in everyday circumstances. If you've ever seen a three-year-old and they do something and you tolerate it and you say, um, you know, this if you say a bad word, they say a bad word. Mm. And then they'll say it at inopportune times or they'll say it 50 times a day. And you say, oh, sh- that's not OK anymore. You know, it's funny the first time, mm. but they copy what you do and then they're going to take it and do it in excess. And those are the things that provide a clear example from an everyday circumstance where you can see how young children will model after their parents and you can see how they do things in excess. But when it comes to things in the office, people will tolerate what you tolerate. Mm-hmm. And if you walk in at 835 and you think it's okay, but the workday starts at 830, well, then people are going to start walking in at 859 or 915. But the concept of late is late as far as five minutes late was okay, but 30 minutes is not okay. The concept of late is late is something that they're going to be okay with, comfortable with, and exercise. And uh, one of the things that a, a senior leader that I heard um, you know, several years ago say that was really impactful to me was the thing you walk by is the standard you now accept. And so in communicating about things that are wrong and communicating, connecting with people that this is something we have to change, um, you have to make sure that you are not the problem and you are not conducting yourself in that manner and that the behavior that you're asking them to change is not something that you're doing as well. And so whatever you do in moderation, people will, who follow you will do in excess. That's a very clear point. And, and I think it's important for us as leaders to know because we have to exercise that judiciousness about our business, about our conduct because people are watching us and they're going to do what we do and what we tolerate, they're going to do in excess.
1: So, having said that having said that. What's easier? Is it being um, a leader in the military world, as a officer or a C or an NCO, or is it easier to be a leader in business? Because what you an describe, interesting question. Because what you describe feels like almost like a leader has to be perfect. And in the military, you have a surrounding, you have um, you have a structure that's there that kind of demands you to be a certain way, demands you to think like a soldier or a sailor or an airman. Demands you that you follow certain criteria and everything is structured for you to succeed in that area. Whereas in business, you kind of have to create that yourself.
0: Well, I think those are both, that's a really good point. I think that in the military, you do have a structure that requires you to be a certain way because as you continue to progress, people are looking for progresses in your character, in your modeling of behavior, in your mentorship. Uh, mentoring and modeling is incredibly important. And so you have a structure, but you also have more of a glass bowl. And so the pressure is there because you have these expectations. And so if you don't promote, you don't get paid. Mm-hmm. And if you can't conduct yourself in a way, then you're going to continue to get paid. Uh, but less so in the military and most, more so in the private arena, you have uh, maybe a sense of nepotism. You know, the founder of a company is going to put their, their young person, their child, uh, their you know, their son or daughter is in charge of the company because it's the family name, but they may not have the acumen. They might not have the traits. They might not have the heart set and the mindset to be in that role. And so the pressure is less, but also the environment where people care is, is not, as, uh, it's, it's not as encompassing. So you don't have people pushing you to be better. You have people pleasing you and saying whatever it is that you want to hear And so you don't necessarily get as much development. However, in both circumstances, you're observed just as much. And leadership matters just as much. So some might say, hey, there's a clear pressure because it doesn't matter if your mom or dad is the founder of a company in the military, you have to do a good job because people's lives rely on it. And there's a lot of pressure there. Some people say the pressure of the civilian world you you have to you know you are responsible for people's lives and their families and their money and so if you don't do good business then seventy thousand people get laid off but in the military if you don't do good business you get laid off and they just put somebody else in your place so there are different pressures i think with leadership you don't have the the cocoon where somebody's going to say hey it doesn't matter how you lead do whatever you want people are dropping like lives they're just like we'll just pay more money and hire more people or on the military side, you have now the pressure because people are saying, hey, yes, we can help you. We have a huge cadre to help you. But you also have a lot of responsibility. And I don't think you have to be perfect, but I do think you have to be very aware of who you are, what you do, and how you do it. So I think there are pros and cons to both sides. But I do believe there's a lot of pressure on both sides to be, to be impactful. And I think the principles are pretty universal.
1: Do you find, from your experience in your in your business, because you do this to, to teach people how to become good leaders, um, people from the military, can sometimes like I've experienced myself personally, going into organizations, Fortune 500 companies, and being disappointed at the this at I won't say this organization, but uh, uh, flaws or, or problems in the leadership structure. They're like not having a clearer chain of command, not sticking to some of the things you talked about. Um, a, a protocol sometimes um, that are that should be where everybody can say this is what we're supposed to do. In the military, you have a protocol. You have you know exactly what you're supposed to do, when you're supposed to do it, how it's supposed to be done, and what the standard is. Oftentimes in private business, you don't. That's not necessarily always apparent or clear or communicated well.
0: And I think one of the things I would agree with you. One of the things that I've heard is one of the biggest complaints from. Uh, my colleagues transitioning to the c- civilian world is a lack of clear knowledge about roles and responsibilities. So in the military, you have a rank, you have a position, you have a title, and you know that you exercise a military role, uh, but you also exercise a clear responsibility for tasks. And both of those things matter. But in a company where you can be the vice president of operations, but everybody else is a vice president as well, it doesn't really mean that you are the second in charge or you have a clear responsibility for anything. And then also if they say, hey, you're the vice president of operations, but really all you do is kind of manage meetings. Sometimes your responsibility is not commensurate with the title you hold. And so the military is very structured to that end. And on the civilian side, I think people get frustrated because there's still lack of clarity. And so when it comes to leadership, Um, One of the things that I think in the civilian world that we've talked about a couple times is the fact that for promotability, people often promote based on how well you do your job. And so you can have somebody who is a subject matter expert who is supervising you as a military leader who comes in and understands leadership. And so somebody is a good doer. They're the best person. They're they're more effective at selling cars or they can build better houses or they can, you know, do X, Y, Z. But they don't understand the people element. And so they get paid more. They're more respon They're responsible for people, but yet they don't know how to take care of people. And so my colleagues, I think, get frustrated because good doers are in not in the right place. And those doers are frustrated because they say, hey, I'd rather be out, you know, in the field or I'd rather be out, you know, on the street doing the job as opposed to being in the office and managing paperwork and trying to manage people, they would prefer somebody else lead the team. And so I think those are some key frustrations that my colleagues that I have connected with as far as military members who have transitioned feel. And so I think if there was one takeaway from that for business owners or things like that, when you're considering transitioning veterans, ensure that lanes are clear and that if you want a doer, then make sure that you have a doer in the right place. If you want a leader, make sure you put a leader in the right place because doer-supervising leaders will be very frustrated because the leader will say, hey, I think we should do things this way. And the doer will say, well, I'm in charge, but they don't have the skills to capitalize on somebody being able to help them. And then the leader will be frustrated because they want to be a team player. They want to come and bring ideas. But if no one's ready to hear their ideas, and there, are, and solid ideas aren't being implemented, and people aren't being taken care of. It can be quite frustrating.
1: Thank you for preaching the gospel today. This is this is <laughs> this is Fortune five hundred gospel going on right now. So, two, three things you mentioned: <laughs> be vulnerable, be gracious, but don't be the exception. Talk about that a little bit. Yes, when we talk about
0: when leaders are actively connecting with people. There's are some some very important um, ways to make sure that you don't have a say do gap, and one of them is that transparency is incredibly important. If you mess up, fess up. People need to know that you're real. They need to understand that that you don't know everything. That if you if you made a mistake, you can say I'm sorry, because you're modeling this behavior, and you want somebody else to acknowledge their mistakes and and take up for the fact that they may not have done something in a perfect manner. And again, they will model that. They will, they will model what you mentor, uh, not only what you say, but also what you do. Mm -hmm. And so transparent is incredibly important, but also being vulnerable. Uh, you have to be willing to say, uh, not necessarily I messed up, but you know what, when I was younger or when I had this experience or the first time I tried this, I failed. And so, ensuring that people understand that you have a sense of difficulty as well, or, you know what, I've gone through a divorce before, and it was a heavy time for my family, and and I think you should take some time off, or it's okay to talk about it. I knew that I needed to talk to somebody and get professional help, or whatever it may be. If you need time off to talk to the chaplain, I knew that I wished I could just have an hour a week to set time aside and talk about how I was grieving over the loss of a family member, or whatever it may be. And so being vulnerable and allowing them to understand a little bit more about your experiences can only be helpful. Um, sometimes I think as leaders we get so closed off because we feel like we have to be someone or we have to pre- pre- portray ourselves in a certain way, and people are more connected with you when they understand who you are. And it goes back to the basic premises of leadership that we, we've talked about, you know, it's been a while now, but people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. Mm-hmm. And you show you care by showing that you're not perfect, by showing that you have vulnerabilities. Um, and so these are very clear ways to ensure that you can not have a safety gap and say, hey, I really do care about you. And then you can convey that in your words and your actions. Um, another way that you can prevent a safety gap is to be gracious. When you are thankful for the things that have happened, people know that you are thinking of them. You have to think to be thankful. And so you have to say, you know what? Today, Sean did a great show, and and I should text him and say, thank you, Sean, for your inquisitiveness. Thank you for your interest. Thank you for the time that you've taken. But it takes time for me to think through that and then actively do the action that's required to say thank you. And so being gracious will help people to say, hey, you say you care about me, but do you? Oh, yeah, you do. You shot me a text, and you appreciated that I stayed after a little bit extra today or that I came in earlier, that I helped someone with a project. And some of the best leaders I've ever worked with are so gracious. They're humble, they're gracious, and those are character traits that are so valuable to me.
1: Wow. I think And that's... the
0: last thing I would – Go ahead, go ahead. Oh, go ahead, please.
1: No, I was, I was saying uh, – the, the
0: last thing I would add in yeah.
1: – No, go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs>
0: The last thing I would add when talking about say do gaps is don't be the exception. Hmm. Sometimes we find ourselves sitting in circumstances where, you know what? Work starts at eight 30, but no one checks on me. I'm okay to come at eight 35 and we get this mindset. And when I say, I care about you, what can happen is I say, I care about you, but yet I walk in late. And then when you walk in late, I have a write up for you. I have something to say. You're called into my office. It's tracked on a tracker. And now this is the third late, you know, arrival in six months. And so you have this, this situation where it says, Hey, I care about you, but Oh, by the way, I can conduct myself in any way I want. So again, it's a say, do gap, but you can mitigate that by saying, you know what? I'm not going to be the exception. And there's so many ways that we can think, you know what? No, one's going to care. Or, I can park in the handicapped spot for five minutes because I'm just running in. But if somebody tries to, you know, catch up with me well, I'm the boss and, you know, the security guards will give me a ticket. Hey, listen, do the right thing. Just do like make the right choice. And when you make right choices, people around you observe, they follow, they ensure that 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 your words match your actions. And those are simple ways to do that.
1: So you flew the A-10 Thunderbolt, a.k.a. the, AK, the Warthog, the A-10 Warthog. Now,
0: I, I supported the A-10. Okay. Sorry about that. I did not fly the A-10. I apologize if I said that earlier.
1: No, no, no. I, I, was looked at, I looked that up, actually. I was just curious. Actually, I wanted to know, as a pilot, what plane you flew in the, in the Air Force.
0: So I started off flying the T-37, and then I transitioned to the C-12. Okay. And the C-12 is a King Air 200.
1: Wow. Now, what, how do you feel about the Air Force decommissioning the, the A-10?
0: No, so this week actually, the A ten had its last flight in Fort Wayne, had the, the final A ten flight before it got sent off to the boneyard. Or uh, and and I, I feel like um, it's a unique, it has a unique uh, history, but it also has a very unique task. So overall, how do I feel about it? I struggle because we need close air support. And that's what that aircraft offers. So that aircraft is intended to support people on the ground. A lot of army troops, uh, are, are supported by that. And, uh, so for, for those who are not military, when you have people who are, are marching onto a target and there's potential enemy contact, we will have, uh, some Air Force members who are embedded with the, uh, embedded with the army and they are capable and competent to call in airstrikes. So an A-10 is a, a slow and low flying jet that is capable of bringing heavy armament and carries a, a large gun in the front to be able to combat our enemies on the ground. And so this plane is incredibly useful for those things. And so we've invented, invented some six generation fighters, we're thinking the F-22 and the F-35, and those are capable of, of closer support on the ground but this aircraft was specifically dedicated to that task. And so I think that uh, we often don't have a lot of ground-to-ground combat. Um, and I think we're fighting a different type of war now. And so sentimentally, I, as a military member, it's always sad to see you know, some type of, of aircraft that you know go to the boneyard, because then you become one of those people that's like, oh yeah, I was there when the A-10 was there. And they're like, oh, okay, great. Thanks, Grandma. <laughs> Uh, but by the same token, I believe people are going to be able to get their support. You know, the military has made sure that people are going to get their support, but I just feel like having a dedicated aircraft for that specific purpose was an incredible use of uh, resources, but if you can combine it, then now the military and the government can save money by combining close air support with long-range you know, fighters and that kind of thing.
1: Mm. That was the coolest plane, I thought. That was in the military it was the HN. I thought it was just really cool. I had a poster of that Absolutely. when I was a kid on the wall. Yeah, it was just a cool looking thing, like a flying, <laughs> a flying tank. It's like a retro airplane, yes. but like I'm like but modern, <laughs> like a modern retro looking, you know, flying tank thing. Whatever, It was pretty cool. So now going Absolutely. back to the leadership. Now I want to get. I had to get that in before before we ran out of time. So I had to ask you about that. But when when as a as a woman in the military, particularly and leading men can you describe the dynamic in about two minutes because we're going to get off the air in a little bit Uh, what it's like to be a woman in a leadership role when you're leading men particularly
0: this is such an interesting question because i was speaking this week for the speaker series at the air force academy prep school and we were talking about leadership and beforehand i did a luncheon And in the luncheon, one of the young ladies who's a connect candidate asked the question, you know, how how do you lead men effectively or how can you kind of prepare yourself for that role? And I said, the difference in leading anybody is your confidence. And I said, some people worry about if they're going to sit, have a seat at the table. I said, I bring a placemat because I'm going to walk in and I know I'm going to have a seat and I'm going to choose where I sit. And I'm going to have a placemat because mm-hmm. this is my spot. There you go. And when you own that, nobody cares if you know what you're talking about. But if you admit that you don't know what you're talking about in certain areas, they're going to respect that as well. So be confident in what you know. Be confident in what you don't know. But be ready and capable to find the answers. And I don't think anybody, man or woman, is going to be bothered by what you bring to the table. That will be appreciative.
1: I appreciate your time, as always. You're always doing some great stuff and always bringing some good information. And we can talk for hours and hours, but unfortunately this this half hour went by too quick. So, (laughs) Jennifer Ruth Green, Lieutenant Colonel, appreciate you, ma'am. Thank you. Same, sir. Take care, Sean.
0: Thank you for listening to America's Heroes Group Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe so you won't miss an episode. And for more details, visit AmericasHG.org.